I'm Vince. I'm R2. We're two middle-aged guys from the Midwest with opinions on RPGs. Let's get into it. We're going to ruin your games. Oh. All right. So, uh, I don't have a good clever joke at the beginning of this one because this one's all about minutiae. Tuck in, everyone. This one's going to be the most detailed of detailed nonsense. It's time to talk about time. Yeah, that's right. So this episode is all about, I think, a thing in RPGs that was fetishized by the first generation of RPG players. Oh, yes. And has become something that most current RPG players could not care less about. So It's a bit of a dinosaur. It, it really is. To some degree. Timekeeping, ammo tracking, rations, all the minutiae of, you know, the fact that you are playing a real person who exists in a real world and has real needs, right? Yeah. Okay. So let's break this up. Let's talk about, I think, the positive one first that is still very much a part of the game. Yeah, and that's timekeeping. Right. Because it actually has narrative purpose. Yes, I, I agree. Well, and mechanical purpose, right? Sure. Uh, you know, in 5th edition D&D, and certainly in a lot of game systems, there are things that orient around either your ability to rest, or you can do it X times per day, or, you know, it refreshes once a day at dawn, or whatever. Or you cast this spell once a day for a year, and it becomes permanent. Like, yep. timekeeping is... It's a lot of times complicated but it's actually worthwhile to do if you if you have somebody at the party that likes to write keeping a journal of important notes uh, having a note taker that that maybe does things in the form of a journal with specific dates and times put in is a great tool to keep track of what's going on at the table okay let's talk about where this was really successful for us which immediately my mind goes to uh a very long-term eberron campaign that we played which was played over a series of many marathon games over the course of something like nine years and the important part to understand about this game and the nature of the marathon games we do in general is that they often are connected stories they happen really intensely you know you'll play like 40 to 60 hours over a weekend and then in some cases we didn't play that game again for two years right yeah. or a year and a half because we had to wait for that dm to eventually become available and prepared to run the next segment. Exactly. So in that, both myself and another player at the table kept pretty exhaustive notes. Now, this was also an Ebron game, so it was, you know, full of mystery and nonsense like that. Intrigue, a lot of moving parts, a lot of NPCs working both with us and behind the scenes. Very complicated story. Yes. To, to, to split out over multiple years with these huge gaps. Right. Now, the other player took extremely detailed notes. I tended to write my notes in the voice of my character, who was not a very detail-oriented person. But what that meant is that we had actually two different sources to compare against the GM to say, okay, on Baracus the 12th in, you know... Uh, 999 or whatever, this is what happened, or so on and so forth, right? 
And as a side note, I despise, I don't, we might've mentioned this before. I despise made up months. I just wish everybody would be like Tolkien and just use the, the normal, uh, you know, Roman calendar uh, or whatever. That would be great. Thank you. No more made up month names. Yeah. Bring Christmas back to D and D. Absolutely. You cowards. So <laughs> the, <clears throat> like, I don't care that it's December when they're in Rivendell. Who cares? Yeah. It's December. Why? Why is it that? Because it is anyways, the advantage here was we, we did keep very accurate track of the days and when we were doing things when when certain plot elements happened and as such we were able to compare and understand and see the whole sweep of the game and also in a lot of cases remind the dm of hey here are some plot points that you dropped on us maybe maybe come back to those yeah you're not wrong because (laughs) he was clearly not he did not start that game, which ended yeah. up going over, you know, four full marathons and five mini sub, like sort of one day long, you know, 12, 13 hour games. He clearly did not start that with the conception that it was going to be this grand narrative arc. No, no, that was uh, I, I think he imagined an overall trilogy. I think he had some sort of broad strokes. Sure. But uh, I don't think that uh, that. Parts two and three were exactly gelled. No, definitely not. So, and he would just put stuff in all over the place. Standard sort of, you know, J.K. Rowling writing style where you just put little loose threads everywhere so that later you can come back and pick it up and you look like a genius, right? And, yeah, I think that worked really well. But here's my question. Why is this so freaking hard in most games to do? Like, we had to be religious about it in that marathon game and you know i kept track of dates in the last campaign we just literally ended last week as of our recording this and it's hard it's hard it's really hard to keep track of what are the days in this imaginary world r2 why is it so hard because the rate that time goes is completely inconsistent sure we're sitting at a table and if we're in combat, that combat at the table takes two hours and happens in 30 seconds of, of in-game time. That's a whole separate conversation, but yes, I agree. And then we get out of that combat, we resolve the dungeon, we get out, and then the DM's like, all right, three weeks pass, moving right. on. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yes. I think you're exactly right. The, the, the incredible inconsistency of the time in the world and how it's experienced, but also, also... The fact that you are experiencing time differently. Like, you you yourself are experiencing some amount of real time passing. So for, for us, that's, you know, four to five hours every time we play the game. Combined, then there's a week skip, right? Like, yeah. in this game, I actually... It's funny because my little notebook, my little note pocket notebook that I was using to record all the notes on this game during the last, during the last campaign just ha- by happenstance had a spot up top in the top left to write the the date okay so it it was more like a little date planner type of thing sure and uh and when i saw that and started taking notes i thought to myself huh okay i'm going to write the real world date up here and then continue putting the imaginary world date down here right in the body of the notes 
And then, so this will be, you know, week to week to week to week of the campaign. I'll be able to flip through and know, okay, what date did we do this thing? How long have we been playing? And I just found it, to, it's funny how quick those two things spread apart. And became utterly confusing. Right, right, exactly, yes. Sometimes I've tried to keep a, to have a campaign somewhat keep pace with the amount of time that passes in the real world as you're playing it, right? So imagine you start a game in the middle of the summer, okay? So you set the game in the middle of the summer. It start your, your characters are, you know, experiencing the, the, the world and the environment, perhaps exactly like you are, I, I suppose, depending on the climate they happen to live in. Right? Sure. And I've tried to keep it so you keep pace with the, the rest of the, like, with the real world. And it's just almost impossible. Yeah, you can't do it. Depending on how much, how much time is spent in combat and heavy investigative portions that chew up a lot of table time while encompassing a very small amount of in-game time. Right. You're you're either going to be way ahead with a lot of downtime or you're going to be way behind. Right. Right. There's no way to dial that in. Yeah. It can't be done. Challenge. I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I if if you are someone who's managed to achieve this lofty feat, boy do I want to hear from you. Uh because I am fast. I like I do think it would help. It would, it would, there would be some, some kind as, of... Some aspect of immersion. Yeah. If it's like, oh, it got cold. Like, I, oftentimes you're, again, depends on the world and the climate and so on and so forth. Like, if you're playing Rime of the Frost Maiden or something, you know, it's it's always cold no matter what, so whatever. But if you're playing, like, a Dale Lands adventure in the Forgotten Realms or, or some, you know, Corvair-based Everon mission... Yeah. Any setting that has seasons. Yeah, it's a mostly seasonal temperate climate, the, the area you're operating in. So, for the most part, you can make it mimic whatever's going on in your real world if you also are listening to this living in a temperate climate, right? A temperate climate bias. Woo! Okay, so timekeeping is the thing we do. It has obvious value in the game. It's funny because amorphously, the change of the day, that is to say like, oh, it's a new day or two hours have passed or something like that. That's that's super easy. No problem. Everybody does that just almost automatically. Sure. Understanding the date is the hard part, right? Not is it morning, noon or night? Is it the next day or whatever? Sure. That's all easy. This is something that's a, a that's been a blind spot to me in a, in a lot of previous games. Like uh, I'll, I'll start a game, we'll get into the introduction, and then one of my players will be like, "What what season is it? What month is it?" And I'll be like, ah, "I don't know. That didn't matter to my story." Right. <laughs> uh, it's winter. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure, absolutely. And yet that is such relevant facts to how we experience the world. Yeah. Right. And it's so funny that we don't we we sort of miss the forest for the trees there, I suppose. Yeah, like there's 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 good opportunity for for immersion by having these details in the world from a DMing perspective, uh, ready for your players. But it's just it's exhausting. Yeah, and at the same time, you'd think it would be more interesting if your party in almost any game has to travel on foot from some part of a planet to another part of a planet. Like, this is a really broad statement, right? Yeah. Overland travel. Yes. Outside of sort of sci-fi games where you teleport or, or, or a modern game where you're taking a car or a truck or something, right? If you're doing that 
boy, should it be relevant to you, whether it is the depth of winter or August, right? Yeah. That matters a lot uh, because it really sucks to go long distances in the winter. That's why, like, you know, traditionally armies didn't go have wars in the winter because you couldn't get people to march in the snow and the cold. Yeah. People that go hike the Appalachian Trail don't do that in the middle of winter. <laughs> yeah, they'll die. <laughs> right. It, it's exactly right. And so you'd think this would be an extremely relevant concern, right? But it's just kind of swept under the rug. We, we don't yeah. think about it. As important as that is, as important as the timekeeping aspect of that overland travel is, something that, that should also probably be important in that sort of overland travel scenario, but I find completely disinteresting mm -hmm. is tracking food yep here we go this was the perfect segue into food water rations etc i get it i get it we're, we're, we're playing uh, an adventure game you, you drink beer you eat food you have water you have rations it just it's let it happen in the background it's boring yeah unless it's some survival based game yeah, like if you're if you're really centering the narrative around this like sort of struggle for survival against harsh conditions, mm -hmm. if you're if you're playing like Rime of the Frost Maiden or or a Dark Sun game, yeah, or absolutely in a Dark Sun game, that sort of stuff can have narrative purpose. Yeah, but if you're not doing that, I don't see the point. Right, because the reality is this has been. The, the game itself has made this irrelevant. On every character sheet I've ever made, I write down in my backpack or in my equipment or whatever, right? Two weeks of water, one week of rations. Whatever that actually amounts to, that's what I write down. I think the last time I just wrote some food. <laughs> sure, sure. Some food, also water. But the reason I say that's so ridiculously irrelevant is because, well, first of all, it clearly only matters at, like if we're talking D&D, at low level, because past a certain point in the game, you can just manufacture food with magic. Um, you can just literally create food and water. Like, that's a just legitimate spell that exists on multiple people's lists. Yeah, and if you're going to the point where that's happening, uh, DM, just stop taxing your cleric. Stop stop making your cleric pay the food tax right. for the whole party. Just let him keep the spell slot. It's yeah. okay. But like, and, and bigger than that, obviously, Morden Kanan's Magnificent Mansions and, and, and on and on and on, right? Morden Kanan's Magnificent Mansion, uh, the best spell in all of D&D. Of course. Uh, is cool for a lot of reasons other than the free food. Of course. But that is a component of it. You can feed a hundred people in there. Yeah. At the same time, though, things like the survival skill, which is going to be something probably one or more people in your party are trained in almost... Uh, certainly in any uh, any party of significant size that's going to show up as a skill because it's such a it's such a sort of mechanically relevant critical skill it gets tested a lot yeah. to, to do things like tracking and other sort of things that adventurers will often do part of what that skill allows you to do is go hunt food right so you can just like even even if the dm wants to make a concern of it you can just be like, well, I, here's my survival checks. I go while we're, when we camp at night and I bring back a deer or whatever. And done. Food. Water. Done. Yeah. I think the question you got to ask yourself as a DM is how much narrative weight should food have? And 
how much fun and enjoyment is your table going to get out of tracking this sort of minutia? Sure. And if that calculation turns out that the juice isn't worth the squeeze, just just set it down. Yeah. I think it's completely not worth it. I said, outside of survival-focused games, where that is the story, I just think it's completely not worth it. Yeah. All right. Then let's move on to something that, that is related to that very closely. Hunting adjacent. It is hunting adjacent. That's right. Because I just mentioned you're going to go out and shoot a deer, right? But with what? Well, your ammunition in your bow, your arrows in your bolts, and such and such and such, right? Yeah, uh, it's another miss for me. I, I cannot stand having to track arrow and and other ammunition consumption. Right. I don't have it in me. I don't care if you use guns or a bow or a crossbows. We just played a whole campaign with a ridiculous, like one of the players at our table was a ridiculous crossbow shooter guy, right? Yeah. He had little hand crossbows. Firing fucking 18 crossbow bolts per action. <laughs> And so they were fully semi-automatic. <laughs> exactly. That guy never once, I guarantee, wrote down bolts or how many bolts he had or bought new bolts when we were in a city or anything like that. And it affected the enjoyment at the table precisely zero. Right. What would we have gained by making him track his ammunition? We would have gained one scene where he comically runs out of bolts. Mm-hmm. And then the next ta- the next time we go to town, he buys fifty thousand arrows, and is like, "I'm never having this fucking problem again." Right. He has to buy a whole bag of holding just dedicated to holding bolts, and he fills the whole thing up with bolts. Yeah. It's just bolts. Now, I will say that I get that this this opinion may be controversial because it it does make some magic items and other things a little less cool. If you get the magic bow from the D and D cartoon that makes energy arrows, sure. That's cool, but if you're not if, if you're already not tracking arrows, you basically have that already. Right, 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 right. Uh, if you if you get a quiver of Elona, yep. you're like, wow, this is worthless. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could put spears in it too. I guess. Cool. So, are we tracking spear usage? No, no. I mean, it is funny because there is a difference there. Yeah. Okay. Like. I, my character threw some hand axes around at some points in the early levels. I actually had a written number of hand axes on my sheet. And I, I did heed that number, okay? Now I would go collect them after the fight, all right? Because they weren't like throwing and returning hand axes. They were sure. just... And, and it does feel like there's a difference there when you're throwing a full-on weapon, okay? Like, if somebody every round was, 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 was throwing javelins, Okay, let's go to javelins here. Where are, the, where are all these javelins? Where, you do not have that many javelins. Like, it would have, like, I would say, hold up, you got to tell me how many javelins are written on your character sheet and how many you've used in this fight. I got 50 javelins. Because this is ridiculous. <laughs> like, you do not have 50 javelins. I object. I got a cart, too. <laughs> yeah. You know, so there, there is some kind of difference there, and I don't know if I can explain why my brain makes that logical distinction, other than to say, if the ammunition is the whole weapon, then I don't. Then you better write down how many you have. If in the player's handbook it says, "This thing, pack of ten, costs this much," right? I don't care. Right. If it says this one thing costs this, 
You gotta track it now. That's what it is. I need to know how much, and I don't know why buying in bulk, you know, because, like, the arrow is nothing on its own, right? The bow is the weapon, right? Yeah. Or the crossbow is the weapon, or, or whatever. The gun is the, the weapon. The sling bullet. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I don't... The, I don't, the rock. Yeah, I... <laughs> how many rocks do you have? How? I want to know. Vince, I want to know how many rocks you have on exactly. you. You're going to run out. All the rocks. I'm sorry, this is a very sandy climate. You don't have any rocks. There are no more rocks. This is like a Sahara Desert situation. It's all been ground down into very yeah, fine you sand. Throw tiny cactuses. Mm-hmm. So... I think that there is some kind of difference there, and I don't know why, but I'm going to go a step farther. I think it's correct. Like, I'm never going to push the archer on telling me how many arrows they have, but if you're throwing tridents, <laughs> okay, like, how many tridents are you carrying? And why are you buying tridents? <laughs> this, just, this. just to flex that they cost more? Correct. Yeah, I picked that one because the spear and the trident are obviously the exact same weapon, but the trident's more expensive. No and reason. heavier. Yeah. It's, it's objectively worse. Uh, take that, Aquaman. You were wrong the whole time. And it is funny because it feels like a magic item that makes an unlimited amount of a thing that creates matter from nothing, right? Should be impactful. Should be impactful. Like, this should be the biggest deal. And yet... Almost everything we've talked about, there is some magical version that does exactly that. So food and water, you have like the decanter yeah. of endless water. Or yeah, if if somebody at the, at the table was playing like a chef, yep, I would never question them on how much mayonnaise they have consumed. Sure, but if the, if a character at the table has an alchemist's jug, right, and they're just slinging mayo left and right, yep, I do want that tracked. Yeah. You gotta yeah. track your mayo consumption from that jug, man. Correct. You only get a limited amount of mayonnaise from that alchemy jug. It's not jug. a limited mayonnaise jug. Right. It is. It is a limited per day situation. To go back to the original thing we talked about with the time tracking. Yeah. You only get so many gallons of mayonnaise per day. Some minutia is is correct to track. Yeah. But I, in an, in the exact like it's the same context, mayonnaise coming out from a jug. But if it's a magic jug, I care. I care very much. Yeah, absolutely. If the chef tells me he makes sandwiches for everybody with mayonnaise, I'm just going to assume that's okay. Yeah. But if you're using a limited-use magic item, I want to know. And that's just it. There is there is clearly some line here of minutia we all track, and it feels very right to do so. For example, I don't think anyone would, would, would be like, oh, you don't have to track the charges on your wands. No, of course you do. Yeah. Right? Like, that—that that is a very small, limited resource for a reason. There's a lot of... You know, you've got a wand of magic missiles or detect secret doors or, you know, whatever. I don't care. Right? Um, my point being that it just doesn't always have to be combat. It could be a completely sort of narrative type of thing. Sure. If it's got charges, I want to know your charge usage and that you're tracking it and did you burn the last charge and, you know, how many are you recharging per day? That is healthy minutia you should be tracking because it's how the thing was built. It wasn't built to be wand of unlimited magic missiles. It was built to be wand of some magic missiles, right? Yeah. Whereas for the archer or the, the crossbow shoot, you know, like pew, pew, pew shooter or the, the gun user, it feels like you're robbing something of the fundamental of their character if you make them like run out of arrows. Yeah. Like, hey, you know, you know, everything you kind of built 
one leg of your character around. Not that combat is everything. It's certainly not. But it's it's it is a leg of the of the character. Absolutely. And everything you built that leg around, you don't do that now because you don't have any arrows. And and I and it's going to take you two days to fletch yeah. more or whatever. Yeah, you, you're out. You don't get to do that anymore. The fighter doesn't really run out of sword swings. Right, he doesn't run out of sword. But you have run out of shoot. Right. It feels unfair to those ranged characters in a way that's different than the very obvious uh, complicated minutiae of spell slot tracking and spell spell preparation. Right, right. Because you can run out of magic, and you might say, well, Vince, that's what you built. That That's my entire character, is I'm a magic user, right? That's that's not just my combat leg, that's everything. Like, I'm a, I'm a magic user, I use magic for everything. And I'd be like, yes, but one of the fundamental conceptions of the game you got into when you did that was, yeah. here's this Vancean chart, this is what you get. Yeah, and to put things into perspective, the ranger over there is shooting a, a sharpened piece of wood a ways away, you are altering reality, right? Yes. Maybe there's some more limitations there. Yeah, you're 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 paying for for your phenomenal cosmic power, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, is there any other minutia that we haven't talked about yet? We should we should close out on. Ultimately, I would say that the most important thing, obviously, is for how complex, how exact is too exact, is whatever your table is able to do and gets enjoyment from doing. At the end of the day, that's the answer. If you if you have somebody at the table that really likes tracking their ammunition and feels sure. that that's important, you should let them. Yep. Maybe tell them that they don't have to and that that's a bit silly, but if they want to do that and that's that's one of the things they get enjoyment from the game out of, absolutely. As long as these these minutia trackings are uh, voluntary and people are getting good use out of them they're not bad right but if it's just a drag if it's sucking air out of the room yep ditch it yep totally agreed so all right there you go i think that's the our feelings on minutiae details tracking of these little things i think for the most part lose it unless it's adding value to the overall narrative and story of your game so, if you liked this episode, hey, give us a good rating or review on any of the various and sundry podcast platforms. We really appreciate all that. Uh, share the show with other people. Shout about it. Share it out on social media. Tag us in it. That kind of stuff. Uh, you can find an email down in the description if you like where you can send us uh, suggestions for future topics. We always appreciate those. Uh, so, shoot those along. But, uh, as always, we very much appreciate you listening. And... We'll see you next time. Peace.